0: Right, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the interim results presentation for IPF. Um, Can't believe that we're 20 months in and we keep promising to meet in person, but here we are again virtually. So we won't make any more promises, but uh, certainly would look forward to hopefully come May uh, sitting down again. Um, Just to let's flick through in terms of the FY22 or or half year results and the highlights. Um, Certainly, the the tail of the last six months has been the stabilization of our South African business. Um, with Europe performing very solidly and as expected over the course of the last six months. Uh, Balance sheet remaining in a very strong position. Vacancy reducing uh, nicely across both regions, and we'll get into some of that detail later. Continued focus on recycling of assets. We've got a billion rand of properties in South Africa identified for sale, and Darrell will take us through that later. We've kicked off on the refurbishment of some of the properties and projects in South Africa and the development pipeline. Um, in Europe is about to start uh, rolling out. We'll get into the dividend piece later, but our payout ratio remains at 95% um, and is testament to the strength of both the underlying cash flows um, as well as the balance sheet. And uh, as we provided earlier in our long form, we are providing some short-term guidance to the end of uh, the second half of the financial year. um, And we'll get onto that shortly. Running through some of the details, Strong performance in terms of uh, the earnings line. Distributable income up 11.8% over the six months. Um, and, and as I mentioned earlier, we'll pay 95% of that out by way of a dividend um, shortly or in December. If you roll through the performance at a high level of each of the regions, strong performance and tick up in South Africa with the uh, base NPI up, 12.8, <coughs> excuse me, up 12.8% off the back of a reduction in in vacancy, down to 9.4, of, uh, so it's about a 200 basis point reduction since March, and a big, uh, I guess the, the single biggest impact in the first six months is obviously the the uh, the impact of no COVID relief um, over the course of the first half relative to last year. The portfolio itself, from a valuation perspective, is holding firm, and it's in line with uh, what our key message was at our uh, year-end results six months ago. In Europe. Uh, NPI growing at 8.3%. This is all in euros, so a very strong performance there on the base. And that is translating at an earnings line to being up 3.5% on the bottom line in euros and 5.5% in czar on a like-for-like basis. Again, vacancy coming down. I mean, at 4.3%, there was hardly a problem. And at 2.8%, we'd expect that number to trend lower as we move into the second half. Um, And and with some of the development activity that might tick up, depending on how uh, we look to finance or, or when we go live with those. Balance sheet, as I mentioned, a very, very robust gearing, still sitting at around that 37 38% mark. Very limited refinancing risk as we move into the next 6 to 12 months. A majority of that is, m- majority of refinancing risk has been dealt with, and we're sitting with around 2 billion uh, rands worth of unutilized committed facilities to manage any potential liquidity risk. And Daryl will chat a little bit later on around design quarter affairs and Bell for more, as well as, The the rollout of the European logistics uh, development pipeline, and uh, in terms of BE, we were uh, very very chuffed earlier in the the, uh, six months to become the first level one-rated property fund. We won't spend too much time on this. I think it's just important to to take a quick snapshot of the business. It hasn't changed dramatically uh, by way of balance sheet or exposures over the last uh, or over the first half. And so you're seeing consistently on a look-through basis, Europe sitting around 43%, South Africa at 57%, and certainly uh, seeing the benefit of a diversified balance sheet, diversified investment portfolio across the regions, as well as across uh, the sectors here in uh, South Africa. If we unpack some of the operational priorities that we set ourselves and and, uh, communicated to the market earlier in the year, certainly across the board, I think we've made... Um, Some really good headway in uh, delivering a lot of these key uh, key items and and so in South Africa the focus really has been on active asset management um, And the de-risking of the revenue stream uh, And and particularly around office again. We'll unpack that a little bit later Europe uh, really looking at the development pipeline um, Portfolio stability as well as our ability to lease up those last remaining vacancies in the portfolio and then from a group perspective Um, As I mentioned earlier, active capital recycling and our ability to continue to further reduce um, gearing as we move in uh, to the next 6 to 12 months. If we look forward, and and this is something that Daryl and I spoke about um, at the logistics conference that we hosted about six weeks ago, um, certainly South Africa for us stabilized and we remain opportunistic. Our core focus is and will remain in the short term around leasing, active asset management, um, and looking to restore NOI to pre-property cycle downturn or the, the pre-property pro- cycle downturn as well as pre-COVID levels. And in Europe, which right now seems to be our growth focus, uh, we'll, all, we'll, we'll all be around exploring um, options to maximize value, including the introduction of third-party capital. Over to Zada to run through the financial results.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Always a bit easier when your results are, are good news. So looking at our summarized income statement, at a SA NPI level up 9%. uh, If we just look at the straight line rental adjustment, it talks to some of the leasing activity in the underlying portfolio. So that's reduced given the improvement in in some of the leases and improvement in underlying whales. Other operating expenses slightly up year on year, 6%. And that contributes to some of the share price uh, uh, revaluation and recovery. In terms of income from investments, uh, this is testament to some of the strategic items in terms of de-risking the balance sheet and um, looking at a more st- focused approach. So as a result, we disinvested from Australia as well as the PELI portfolio. So the underlying performance is really related to, to the strong performance from from the PAL investment platform fair value adjustments stabilized significantly over the last uh, 6 months relative to the prior prior period uh, this is as a result of the exchange rate which has stabilized as well as as well as our interest rate swaps and then on a, on a net finance cost some some good news because of that active balance sheet management 64 million savings bringing our Overall performance to $443 million, uh, on a profit-after-tax basis. If we look at our distributable earnings reconciliation, taking into account all all the IFRS adjustments and uh, excluding capital gains and losses, uh, a distributable income of $422 million, uh, we have declared a dividend uh, of 40, 49.77, which uh, is a a dividend payout ratio of 95%, again, uh, testament to, to the strong underlying uh, performance of the fund and an overall balance sheet strength. Just looking at the distributable earnings bridge, this really gives you a great snapshot of the strategic initiatives over the last six months. Uh, as I mentioned, the offshore divestments bringing a more focused approach uh, in Europe, resulting in reduced earnings from from the offshore portfolio, but that's seen an uptick in the savings in finance costs and in the recovery in the SA base NPI resulting in that 422 million distributable earnings for the for the six months at a balance sheet uh, position South Africa uh, really uh, s- some level of impairment on your underlying property portfolio of 100 uh, 10 million, but that does take into account uh, a stabilisation, a or at least reflects the stabilisation of the underlying portfolio. In terms of our Pell portfolio, again, just a reminder to shareholders that the 6.7 is your 75%, so you have to net that off against the 940 million reflected in Note 8. Uh, overall, that's a 5.8 billion investment in, in Europe. A slight uptick uh, in the underlying portfolio of, of 1.9%. Again, derivative financial instruments stabilized at uh, 269 million. Looking at uh, compared to prior year, which was 312 million, strong cash flow generation up by 4% of 236 million. And then a, a key initiative, which was the de-gearing of the portfolio, resulting in long-term borrowings reducing to 8.7 billion. Uh, that resulted in your adjusted LTV of 37.9 at the end of September. I'll now hand over to Daryl.
2: Thank you, Zyda. Um I think the last time I spoke to a blank slide for about 15 minutes, Andrew said he's never seen somebody speak to a blank slide for that long. So I'll try and get through the presentation um, quite relatively quickly. Um, not detracting anything from the performance of an unbelievably strong uh, European management team where, you know, that's always been our philosophy of, of investing in country, uh, with in-country expertise, with hands-on experience in those countries. And that team has delivered a stellar performance. But I think in light of the, the environment we operated in South Africa, certainly with the uh, f- level four lockdown as well as the um, civil unrest, uh, the performance of the South African business has been exemplary, um, having achieved great i think great results in a very very challenging market um, and just to break it down by sector um, and uh, I would like to highlight i think the important thing for us is the office sector is the most most spoken about sector in the in the in the industry right now it 's a sector that we know our risk very well, we understand the risks very well, and uh, we are trying to kind of emphasize to the market that You know, we're talking about four assets in the portfolio that have really uh, been hammered as a result of um, either the oversupply or the environment that we've just had to, you know, negative growth environment that we've had to operate in. So for us, our office sector does remain relatively stable. Uh, the demand for space certainly was impacted by a work from home scenario, but we actually, and we were, you know, we were definitely very positive about a return to work, and that's what we're actually seeing in the market right now. Um, and the portfolio is largely defensive. So we saw vacancies tick up to around 13.9% because of one vacancy, uh, one tenant um, moving out of premises in Randburg. That's, uh, we call it, it's in Bromfisher. That was 15,500 square meters that went vacant. Um, there's 3,000 squares that have been replaced with 4,000 under review. So, you know, what we're doing is taking around 10,000 square meters of risk in, in, in Randburg um, in the portfolio. The remaining risk in the portfolio is spread around three assets two in Sandton and one in Rosebank. So, that contributes around 10,000 square meters to the remaining vacancy um, in the portfolio. And uh, Rosebank, certainly, the, the FERS is an asset that we strongly we believe in. Um, we, we believe that it's gonna, it will come right as soon as the return to work and the Hyatt reopens. Um, so what you're really looking at is a, a risk in an oversupplied Sandton market of 6,000 square meters in our office portfolio. So if I, I just, you know, um, there was a song, I don't know who wrote it, it said, if, if I can make you love me, I'm going, ultimately, this is... Something that we want to try and emphasise to the market. We're talking about 6,000 square metres of risk in Santon, and uh, somewhere between seven and 10,000 square metres of risk in in, in Randburg. Um, both of those um, areas will be severely impacted, as one would expect during this crisis. The um, the industrial portfolio for us is, is a stellar performer. It's very solid. Uh, we've seen mild reversions of around five percent on some of the uh, re-gears. Again, we've got three assets in this portfolio comprising around 48,000 square meters of the vacancies in the portfolio. So 50% of our vacant space in the entire portfolio resides in three assets in industrial. Um, and these are in established industrial nodes where as soon as a market activity picks up, uh, these are assets that there's always interest. And uh, we are in the throws of discussions on 20,000 of that already. So you know we're very confident that that vacancy, which was 17% last year, is down at 10 and a half now, will get to single digits um, by March 22. A- again, a very positive message for us around that portfolio, and our retail has been exemplary. Um, so we've got two assets which we, we're going to be uh, redeveloping. The rest of the portfolio has had a stellar performance. Um, the, there's almost been no change in vacancy from 4.3 to 4.4 percent. It's not significant, but all the, um, as Will Ridge says, all the rooms are facing are sea-facing. Uh, it's it's a, it, the, the NPR's is up 28 percent. Costs are well contro- controlled. Um, we're seeing positive metrics in footfall, turnover and basket size growth. So that for us has been an unbelievable asset class. And I think in terms of our uh, capital recycling, uh, these kind of retail assets and industrial assets that we have is certainly the areas where we would look to redeploy. Um, So overall, a a base 12.8% growth in the uh, NPR, in the base NPR. um, And that was really driven by a significant saving. Well, when I say saving, it was we, we offered much less concessions in the last six months than we did during the COVID. The full year of covid so nine million rand against 55 million rand in september 20. the bad debt provision is reduced by 14 million rand and um yeah i think overall a good performance the the most important thing for us here we've always been a very you know we very much on it in terms of costs and there's a strong containment in costs. so the only time we see cost leakage is when you've really got vacancies and you've got unrecovered you know it's, it's unrecovered rates or municipal charges that you pick up in those vacancies Bad debts is at 13.7, uh, yo, I said 14 million rand, um, and our vacancy is down f- uh, from double digits to 9.4, and we are on track for what we told the market last year is uh, single digits, uh, probably around 5 to 6% by March 22. This gives you a snapshot just of the um, kind of where our reversions, uh, where our incentives are lying, and the kind of retail uh, activity that took place in the sector. The office the officers uh, the reversion of 30.1% it's uh, it is a it's, it's it's a big number but it really was over an insignificant amount of space of 3700 square meters in Ravonia very defensive play there because we had a tenant that went into uh, a business rescue so we've managed to recover some of the you know from other there's there's renewed interest in the sector uh, in that area and uh, obviously that you know it comes at a cost so you know, on the one hand, you're getting income. It's some some income preservation um, or, or protection for a while. Um, and it's, and strategically, we took a decision to do that. So you've got a 30% reversion there. Uh, we wouldn't believe it's uh, it's something that's going to impact our sector broadly now because our assets in Bryanston, uh, in the Cape, um, have, have really held up well and they are nowhere near those kind of reversion. And, and certainly, we don't believe we're taking risk in that. Um, industrial vacancies. Oh, you'll see, sorry, the... the um, percentage uh, Incentive in office obviously was higher obviously because there's a lot of uh, there is pressure on landlords right now to kind of do leases So some rent freeze some you know, you've got to offer you've got to offer them something to motivate them to to move um, Our industrial at five point one percent. It's really not. It's not significant in this market and our retail our retail reversions were positive by 4.1%, which is testimony to the, the quality of those assets. Um, the team had an unbelievable, unbelievably active six months. 95 uh, new leases, oh, 95 leases conf- concluded. Um, 30 of those leases were in the office sector, which is quite surprising and uh, 23 of those 30 so nearly 65% of the leases in office were to new tenants and it just goes to the nature of the kind of the we've always mentioned guerrilla tactics in our leasing I think we put an unbelievable show to, to tenants when they arrive in our space we wrap it in great service great customer service and we're making a difference and I think wherever we've spent money on some money in improvements in those assets we've seen an uh, uh, a commensurate uptick in activity and leasing there so we i think we you know the market should start understanding that uh, uh, we have a very much hands-on asset management approach to the to the to the physical assets uh, and that is a strategic differentiator for us and we'll start work now at Belfour uh, balfour mall and design quarter which has really been on the agenda for a long time uh, it was certainly retarded as a result of lockdown we were ready in march april last year uh, and so it has been delayed um, in fact, design court has commenced, and Balfour will commence in February. Um, to distil the office strategy, if I didn't emphasise it enough, um, you know, we we work with a strategic matrix. It's, it's our fil- it's our strategic filter of how we look at stuff, and it certainly gives us a, se- a sense of where you apply your minds and your energy and your creativity. Because obviously, sometimes it's uh, it's a bit like flogging a dead horse in some cases. But when you really look at this, we've got. Uh, between the 1.4 billion rand on the left top left uh, matrix and the 2.9 billion rand of our office portfolio you're sitting with a significant amount of assets for us that are certainly have got strong property fundamentals the big challenge for us as a business is to move the 1.4 into the 2.9 and that's where you get uh, you get active hands on management and of the 1.4 billion rand which is 24% of our office portfolio 25% of our nor and it really contributes a significant amount of the of the vacancy in office. It's like about 80% of our vacancy sits in 1.4 billion rand's worth of our space. Again, it's uh, the asset in Randburg, two in Santon, and the one asset in Rosebank. If you really stripped all that out of it, and you divided that by the remaining 27 assets, you're, you're really talking about 400 square meters of vacancy per asset if you were to do it like that, if it has any meaning. But you know, I think it just. It's not a significant risk that we're taking on the remainder of the portfolio. And that's an area where we would likely to see if there was certainly opportunity to uh, to, to trade, we would. Um, I guess you, you apply, you know, you, you lock in good fundamentals and then get it ready for the market. Um, I think it's just, a, it could be a bit of a wish list right now in the office sector, but certainly those are assets that we would look to trade. Um, and where we would, re- to reinvest in office, certainly we've seen massive uptick and interest in the, um, you know, we might describe it as two to three storey walk-ups, but it's really those multi-tenanted smaller buildings in in the regional nodes, closer to amenities like retail, closer to home, closer to the schools. And we've seen a very strong uptick in that that's largely driven by COVID. It's largely driven by the pressure or we'll call it the uncertainty of, of SA corporates uh, not sure of their return to work policies, if they're going to use more space or less space. And what hybrid really means to them. So I think for us, the advantage where we have exposure in that sector, we've worked it well, we understand it well, and it's been a great performer for us. So the long-term uh, outlook for SA, I'm, you know, I'm not sure if we should talk long-term. What is long-term? But I think if we say for the next uh, two to three, two to five years, retail continues to be the place to be for us. Um, if you if you own these these malls. All these, these convenience centers, which are either dominant in their sector or they're very niched, uh, certainly where you don't suffer the same consequences of this uh, mass competition of the, of the metropolitan nodes, um, that, that certainly becomes a focus uh, for us, and we would look to redeploy into that. Um, in industrial, we do anticipate still low but positive rental growth in those sectors, and the structural oversupply in office is likely to go it will remain for a while. I mean, there's a significant amount of space available in, in, in our primary uh, metropolitan nodes. So that is likely to continue, and that's why we would potentially look to uh, exit where we can and redeploy into the two to call it multi tenant two to four storeys or two to three storey kind of walk-up uh, buildings. So, the, But but we do anticipate our vacancy in that sector to trend down. And again, I'd highlight just to say, we, we, we are not representative of the office sector. We're a business that very much understands the risk that we're taking in the sector. Andrew.
0: All right, thanks, Daryl. Um, I think ordinarily, we would have asked Paul Roger to come and present this, but we, we, are, we are short on time. We also don't have a Scottish translator, so we'll try our best to, to get through it. Um, I know we spent a fair bit of time on this at the, towards the end of September um, and I hope a lot of you managed to join us in, in, uh, in discussing this together with some of the industry experts from, from the UK and Europe. But just to, to reiterate or to recap some of the key themes flowing through uh, the pan-European logistics space right now, it is, it is an exciting place to be. There are unprecedented levels of demand, uh, very, very strong tailwinds across the sector, um, largely driven by the shift towards e-commerce. You're seeing uh, record take-up in terms of space by by occupiers. You're seeing record investment volumes, and that doesn't look like it's going to uh, stop anytime soon. Uh, demand certainly uh, is outstripping supply, and um, there's no doubt in our minds that supply will start to come on. But if you look at the graphs and you look at what's coming on over the next 12 to 24 months, it's certainly not a short-term um, uh, equilibrium that, that's going to take place. Um, as I mentioned, demand outstripping supply, and, and as a result of that, if you look at what's happening to vacancy, that is trending to all-time lows, um, and you're starting to see much more progressive rental growth coming through the European markets, albeit in, um, in pockets of space, it's not a, it certainly uh, shouldn't be misconstrued as a generalization of uh, rental growth across the entire region. You still have to capture that, and from our perspective, uh, you'll see that coming through in our numbers. In terms of the, the positive reversions. And all of this is ultimately uh, being driven or yield uh, is driving yield compression or cap rate compression. That is now sitting at almost record levels. There's a, there's a weight of capital coming in globally into this market and it's driving yields down further and further every month. Um, if we look back over probably the last 12 months, relative on a relative basis, um, cap rates have probably moved around 100 basis points in that time and that's on a that's getting tighter and tighter to a point where um, prime yields across Europe are now in the threes and portfolio-type transactions are taking place in, in the mid to high threes. In terms of underlying property performance or, or portfolio performance, as I mentioned up front, a very strong growth coming through the NOI line. Um, that is testament to both the revenue growth in terms of uh, leasing activity as well as some benefit. Last year, we had two tenants that went uh, Bankrupt right at the start of COVID and we haven't had the same impact this year So we've, we've had the benefit of that dropping down to the bottom line at three and a half percent growth in, in uh, earnings per share or, or income per share um, Which uh, and that's in euros if you translate that to ZAR that's five and a half percent and the leakage There has been um, a shift in how we accrue or provide for tax or, or tax leakage on a um, quarterly basis as opposed to on an annual basis as well as some additional corporate restructuring costs incurred during the period. Uh, Vacancy, as I mentioned up front, uh, sitting now at 2.8%, and that sits largely in two assets, one of which is undergoing a bit of a refurbishment and will be ready uh, Q1 next year, uh, and the other other piece sitting in Marseille, and we think that's a um, short-term issue. Valuation ticking up nicely. I think we've been fairly conservative there, um, and we would expect that to trend upwards over the next six months, Um, again, testament to the the fundamentals um, of the sector. I think I've mentioned all the points in terms of the income statement Um, otherwise I'd need Zida to go through this for you Uh, but but a nice simple set of numbers coming through and you see the impact uh, from from a leasing perspective and the leakage that I mentioned earlier in terms of uh, from it from a top line to a bottom line in relation to both the tax and the corporate cost piece.
1: Uh, Just in terms of balance sheet and treasury, we manage it pretty much in in a similar fashion to how we manage our underlying asset base, uh, that is on a risk-adjusted basis. A question that we often get asked is, you know, in terms of our LTV, uh, of course with the de-gearing flight path uh, that took place over the last couple of months, that LTV has improved to 37.9. As Andrew mentioned at the outset, limited refinance risk and we also do have two billion of unutilized facilities in place to to meet any obligations over the next uh, 6 to 12 months. Our covenants are well managed sufficient headroom both in Europe and and in South Africa and if we look at uh, what level of encumbrances we have about just over 50% of our balance sheet is encumbered with a secured uh, debt of 40, 48, close to 49%. Uh, limited interest rate risk, because most or 100% of our, our, of our interest rates are capped in, in Europe. And we do have uh, a swap book in place, which co- covers 85% of our risk in, in South Africa. All-in costs in SA, 8.5%. Uh, and in, in Europe, uh, just over 2%. So a really well-managed balance sheet. Another question that we often get asked about is our level of look-through gearing, which is sitting at 52%, and it's a very considered uh, and measured approach in how we manage manage that look-through gearing. So if I draw your attention to slide 25, to the right of the slide in SA, 30% level of gearing in Europe, higher at 53%, bringing us to that overall 37.9%. And why, we've, why we're comfortable with that level of gearing, especially in Europe, is because of our diversified balance sheet. Of course, we look at the level of risk in country and, and based on the property fundamental, fundamentals are happy to increase the risk in, in Europe, uh, just given the various tailwinds that we're facing, especially in the logistics uh, sector. In terms of efficient capital management, the lower uh, interest rates in in Europe allows us to to improve our overall earnings. Uh, As I mentioned, we do enter into cap rates and so there's no risk uh, over the short to medium term in terms of any blowout in interest rates. Uh, This will result in higher returns to shareholders uh, and and again sufficient headroom both in SA and Europe in, in terms of our covenants. Uh, from a security perspective, each balance sheet, both in SA and Europe, are ring-fence, so there's no, no risk that uh, either performance of will impact the overall security of the underlying regions. Uh, just to hand over to Daryl on the capital recycling.
2: Thank you so we had identified uh, one billion rands worth of assets uh, which had actually been approved for sale obviously we've got um, during the course of the year we sold two assets to the value of around 36 million rand uh, very close to book value Um, we've now subsequently got 116 a total of 116 million rands worth of assets uh, sold and awaiting transfer 200 and odd million rand um, under negotiation and a very strong likelihood of a further 400 million rands of assets so of the billion rand, you've got nearly 700 million rand of that has been expedited. Uh, as I said earlier, the intention would be to, you know, deploy it either to increase our investment in the pan-European logistics, or to the kind of opportunities that we identify in South Africa, which kind of, uh, you know, meets the requirements of our strategic matrix in terms of how we hold assets in Europe. Um, again, we do rep- remain opportunistic. Um, And one would always look to trade out of sectors where we feel that we can't gain any more um, You know any more uh, upside where there's limited potential to extract value, and that's kind of very much on the focus Uh, It's a focus of Paul and his team that um, Would be definitely recycled into the core markets there as well as our development pipeline which I'll get to shortly and um, to also look at opportunities as we did before on the uh, Schiphol Logistics Court, where we do forward funding deals as a takeoff. Uh, so you're not really taking the development uh, the development risk, but you are you know you'll buy completed. You fund the development for a takeoff at the end, uh, where we saw a 55% capital uptick there. So that was a good good deal for us. On um, as far as the projects go, uh, so design court as I said, uh, we commenced on the 1st of November. Um, I would um, you know it's it's very difficult now but I'd say just watch the space there's going to be a lot of marketing and branding around here but we've certainly uh, reinvigorated this uh, and, the, and there's massive tenant interest so we've got um, supermarkets in terms of checkers we've got clicks coming we've got Trek coming and a number of restaurants so this is a it's a capex spend of 144 million Rand with a significant amount of, of, of NOI uplift and um, the idea there is to really you know, re-establish and recapture what Design Quarter has lost over the years as a as a destination. Uh, a lot of the factors of, I guess, the COVID environment has played into our hands because open malls certainly have got a serious excitement around them now, um, and it's an, it's a, certainly an asset that we we fundamentally believe in. It's not just the retail that works, but actually the offices that surround uh, the Design Quarter function very well with a with a well-functioning convenience lifestyle. Uh, homewares and, uh, and and design offerings. So that's that has started, and um, yeah, I'd say just watch the space because there's going to be a lot of marketing around that Belfour Mall um, and Highlands Mall. We'll talk to together. Is the demolition will commence in January uh, with Highlands Mall? Uh, that would really open up the that entire um, corridor to 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 Belfour. I mean, unfortunately, the corridor, the Louis Botha corridor, remains in, in, in massive flux. You know, we're still waiting to see what happens with the BRT as well as the, um, the, the, the movement of the taxi. Sorry, I've got a fly. <laughs> I've got a fly landing on me. Uh, there's a BRT, and we've got to just monitor that. So I think what it is is it's, it's like we'll, we'll, we're going to do this in bite sized chunks. We're doing a lot of work with the tenants now, minor upgrades to the mall, demolishing highlands, which will give better access for our tenants uh, or our, our consumers. And um, and and then we'll gauge it as it goes. I think it's it's a market in such flux, um, and there are barriers to kind of the bar- just convenient barriers to kind of making it work right now with the with the, with the unproductive network of uh, the BRT on Louis Botha. and the FERS has got a minor upgrade. Uh, again, we're going to give the tenants just a chance to recover post COVID, so we'll get through the December trade. Uh, that will start in around uh, late January, early February, which is minor upgrades, but certainly something that we believe would enhance the. The overall offering of the offices, and we have it on authority that the owners of the Hyatt plan to open in Q, uh, Q1 22, which certainly bodes well for the tenants in 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 the in that region. Oh, the European development pipeline. Um, so the, the 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 one asset that's pretty much ready to go is the the Polish asset. Um, we are just waiting for some planning approvals, and we would anticipate breaking ground in February next year. Um, that is a, it's a significant you know it 's a significant uh, uplift in terms of income uh, you know if you price it with or without land depending i think uh, I did mention it i think at uh, at our european conference actually it 's important just to keep uh, to keep you honest because if you can get more value for the land, i think it 's something one, one would look at but ultimately you know we we price it with a yield on land and a yield x land because the land was effectively included in the original pan european logistics deal so it's kind of in the books for free. Um, so you're looking at a 30, close to 31,000 square meter spec development in Poland, but it's on an established estate. So if you took the, the spec development and combined it with the other tenants in our park, you'd be close to 80% uh, in the park. Uh, we've never had a, a vacancy in that park, so certainly it makes a lot of sense for us to take risk. Uh, it's strategic risk, um, and we'll be doing that commencing around February next year. The remaining two assets. Um, we would not spe- these are not spec developments these are assets that uh, we have a board approval now to proceed provided we get the uh, certain pre-let status so we've got uh, around 50% pre-let um, one is, I think one is about 33% or 34% pre-let in the precinct because we've got demand from one of the tenants if that happens we will start those I don't anticipate that happening before February next year but it's just worth noting that you've got 64,000 square meters of development pipeline close to 41 million euros of spend um, on our ESG delivery, um, we had targeted four additional Green, green Star ratings. Um, the, the team has accomplished more than that. We now have 18 Green Star ratings. We did five this year and two renewals. So uh, we now have 18 uh, buildings um, rated green. Uh, just to clarify that, if we own more than three, sometimes we own more than one building in a particular park, we classify that as one certificate. Uh, you could easily say it's three or four certificates, for example, in, in some of the parks where we have more than one when one asset. Our targeted um, approach on the the solar rollout was 2.4 megawatts. We've rolled out 3.6 megawatts. It's on track to roll out 3.6 megawatts this year, which is, and these are positive, uh, these are very positive uh, yielding investments for us. I think we would always say that, you know, sustainability has to be profitable in order for it to be sustainable. So, you know, we use the kind of the profits or the profit generation from solar to subsidize Um, the other many other elements of the ESG strategies that we have so we did want to reduce our uh, energy water and greenhouse emissions by five percent that's on track and we have developed delivered our carbon footprint uh, submission so that's on track it's a it's a it's a job well done to the team
0: all right so just to close off I guess looking forward to the next six months um, assuming the status quo remains, and who knows what that is in today's times. But we certainly expect uh, to be able to continue to deliver a similar similar performance in H2 relative uh, to prior years. We did in these first six months. So translating that into guidance for the remainder of the year, we'd, we'd expect to be able to deliver uh, dips growth of between 10 to 12%. That's off the back of continued stabilization here in South Africa. Uh, the growth. In the NOI line again driven by the further reduction in vacancy. If you recall last year um, our second half had much higher vacancy numbers and void periods um, than historically and so we'll see the benefit of the leasing activity coming through in the second half of this financial year. In Europe we continue to see or expect to see um, very consistent performance as we move forward in the next six months. Continued growth in in rentals. Daryl's mentioned the development activity and, uh, and we'll, we'll continue to explore our options in relation to maximizing value of that business, including the introduction of third-party capital. A, a key focus will remain, as always, on the balance sheet. Uh, continue to focus on reducing the LTV to that target range of between 30 to 35% um, and looking to manage our um, interest rate risk ahead of any potential rate hikes over the course of the next 6 to 12 months. Um, I think we're very well positioned, and, and certainly from a hedge pers- uh, perspective, both here and offshore, that risk is fairly limited. So, yeah, we look forward to um, the second half, continued performance, and, uh, and, and you know, standing up here again in, in May twenty two to deliver uh, what will hopefully be a strong set of results. So that's it from our side. I think we're all over to questions. Just seeing if there's anything that's come through the um, online platform. Um, right, so we start with Mershaw. Uh, question is around the decrease in, in management fees. Um, you know, was that? Is, is there something else in that decline, or is it purely down to the share price? That's right. I mean, it is uh, the 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 manco fee or asset management fee is. is uh, is derived purely off of the enterprise value of the fund and with the share price uh, being significantly lower than historically um, that has impacted that number as well as some of the asset sales here in South Africa over the course of the last year. Um, Daryl, do you want to pick up the the next one from Kelvin?
2: Um, Thanks, Kelvin. I actually wish there was, uh, I wish we had the ability to influence it. I think unfortunately we we are operating in a very tough environment just for my own can people see the question? Must I read the question? No. Okay. So the question is: How is RPF handling the escalating municipal charges in SA, especially rates and taxes? So we're certainly part of a lobby group with Sapo, um, as as are the other listed REITs and many other other large landlords. It's a massive challenge in this country. You're paying, you know, you're paying a lot away, and you're getting pretty much nothing for it. Uh, you've got a declining infrastructure, and we're paying this away. So, you know, you've got to box smart, and I think ultimately. You know, it's it's got to be a, you know what we've got to look at is trying to find solutions where the tenant, because effectively as landlords you're getting less rental. If you're quoting gross, you're getting less every year, and most of it's going to the municipal municipalities and not going to the investors or the landlords. Uh, so you have to try and box smart. You've got to try and squeeze squeeze value out of other areas of the assets to protect to protect income, and and lobby. That's kind of all you can do at the moment. I mean. You know uh, one needs to understand that the impact that this has had in areas like rosebank where i think sassel moved out of rosebank because of the high municipal charges um and 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 rosebank's got to fight harder than santon now so it's it's something that you know i wish we i, I wish i could say we could deal with um apart from lobbying and being a good corporate citizen uh, i don't think there's much else you can do in that space um yeah.
0: thanks daryl i think question from Louis at thirty six um how much COVID relief did you extend in H2 last year? um, uh, It says that if you break out or or strip out uh, COVID relief, there's no growth and you're trying to work out uh, how we get to 10 to 12% full year growth um, relative or given the amount of COVID relief rolling off. So H2 last year didn't have a significant amount of um, COVID relief. The numbers last year in the second half were impacted by higher vacancy rates here in South Africa, as well as longer void periods, as I mentioned earlier. Um, And so you'll see the benefit of that coming through in our second half um, with the vacancy rates. As Daryl had mentioned earlier, we think vacancy rates are gonna trend lower across our SA portfolio. So we're sitting at nine and a half now. We think that might be closer to six um, towards the end of of the financial year. And I think there's also the benefit coming through in the the broader IPF business, strong growth, still coming through Europe, as well as uh, the benefit of having an active uh, balance sheet focus and treasury focus as I mentioned earlier, I think it's sixty odd million worth of uh, savings of finance cost savings that have been made in the course of these six months we'd expect that to continue into the second half and and that is really through active balance sheet management active uh, treasury management so the the um, combined approach I think is going to yield that that uh, 10 to 12 percent for the full year um,
2: the question from Paolo is um Will the design court have direct access from William Nickel? No, it won't. Um, in fact, uh, the, that entire exercise has kind of worked in, fa- in our favour. Now, it's uh, you know I don't want to kind of put any uh, evil eye on the site, but uh, it's had you know no no crime, no no criminal events. I mean, in an open plan environment where people feel safe, they're sitting outside, they can have coffee, leave their cell phones on the table. I kind of think our tenants are happy, and it's also being. Kind of supported by the tenants who we are attracting and the tenants who are remaining to stay so i think there's a lot of benefits now to not having <coughs> it um is it something that can happen in the future potentially but i guess it's not it's not as critical as it once appeared for us
0: um from parlor clearance uh, just talk us through your thinking regarding recycling assets in Pell given the compression and cap rates across europe yeah i think it's it's only we're thinking about um daily there's certain Uh, certain markets that maybe we're a little bit uh, more nervous about in terms of fundamentals or or rental growth Um, and there's some assets you know like like we have done in South Africa that you've you'd look to exit or recycle um, as you've hit the top of its return cycle so we don't have any immediate plans Um, right now we are assessing all options as I mentioned earlier it is around trying to maximize the value um, of that platform and, and, uh, and how we do that. But that, uh, the conversation, discussion around recycling assets there is certainly um, on the agenda every time we speak to our uh, European team. Um, Joan uh, from Financial Mail, I guess that's a good follow-on. The question is, any specific areas in Europe where you see good growth opportunities given strong yield compression in the market now looking expensive? Um, and where do you see your 43% offshore expo- exposure going to the next three to five years? So I think dealing with the second piece first it, it, it's almost crystal ball stuff. Um, certainly, we, we like that European market. We have a team on the ground that has, uh, has traversed that for years um, and has certainly been very, very successful, both with us and in their, their previous um, uh, tenors with, with Hanstein and others. And so, you know, like we had in Australia and elsewhere, there's a real benefit of having people on the ground. Um, and so, you know, I think we're well-positioned to continue to deploy capital into those markets. Uh, coming back to the first piece, which are around you know, is, the, is the market expensive, yield compression, where are we seeing opportunities? Um, you know, it's gonna be very difficult for us to play in the big portfolio transactions in Europe. Um, you know, buying at 3.5% is expensive, um, but there is still the ability to pick up in the ones and twos in the local markets. And Again, that comes down to having people on the ground, boots on the ground, uh, talking to local agents, um, you know flying under the radar of some of that institutional capital um, And so yeah, we would expect to still be able to unlock uh, some value-add uh, opportunities as we as we look to grow that business so I think that's it on on the, uh, the formal questions. I don't know if there are any questions uh, coming in from the, the lines Um, Thank you. Just a reminder for the participants that dialed in, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star, then 1. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star, then 1. If it's okay, can we please just pause to see if there are any questions? We have no questions on the telephone line. Thank you very much. Okay, great. So I think that brings us uh, to the end of the, the half year your presentation. Thank you all for, for joining us. And um, yeah, uh, look forward to hope you guys all have a good, good break going into December. Thank you.